one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Look, I'm just going to get it out of the way really early. AEW, it ain't perfect. But this is very much down to the fact that wrestling, in essence, never really can be, can it? Because it's pretty much impossible for every single singles match or tag match that comes on a card to be better than the last one and just to keep raising the bar and each new idea to be better than the last one either, it just doesn't work that way. But one of the major reasons that AEW is a very, 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 very good wrestling program is because when things don't necessarily go right or they get a mistake wrong and all this stuff, when that does happen, All Elite spot it and they try and rectify it. And because All Elite Wrestling do this so brilliantly time and time again, it's got to the point where we now finally trust the process again. Who'd have thunk it? So with all that in mind, I'm Gareth from What Culture Wrestling and here are 10 terrible debuts AEW quickly fixed. Number 10, The Dark Order. When somebody finally does write a big old book on the history and life and times of All Elite Wrestling, you can bet your ass that The Dark Order are gonna get their own colorful chapter. In the early days of the company, no single act really drew much criticism as the gang. But AEW on two separate occasions proved the metal of the creative folks pulling the strings behind the scenes and the people on screen in front of the camera doing all the good stuff. But jumping back a little bit, around December 2019 when Dynamite seemed to be, well, experiencing a little bit of a dip, it was the Dark Order that had many a shot fired at them. Ironic really because they seemed to miss an awful lot in that moment, you know what I mean? That thing when he, when he missed the punches. Now yeah, sure, in early 2020 the vignettes did get a little bit stronger and seemed to explain what the whole grip was about and what they were actually trying to achieve. But a Steve Jobs-like looking figure wasn't anywhere near close to the kind of person that they needed at the forefront of this group. Enter the exalted one Brody Lee who debuted in early March and just absolutely provided the key to unlock the potential of this team. As an absolute bastard of a leader, Lee just brought the warmth out of all these different cogs, these different personalities and made them something that you just couldn't take your eyes off. Now this was all obviously going to be leading to a babyface turn for maybe someone within the team against Brody and they'd have a big clash somewhere down the line, but obviously there was an untimely passing of Brody Lee that happened last year towards the end of 2020 and well, it did turn 
Dark Order into this big babyface unit forevermore, but it's just an awful shame that we lost Brody Lee too soon. Number nine, Miro. Let's be honest, the biggest part of Miro's appeal at this current moment in time as the reigning, defending TNT champion at the time of recording, please don't lose the belt, is the fact that he's an absolute killer and seems to enjoy ragdolling people, whatever their size, whatever the day, really. But another reason why this is really fun now seeing him with a belt is the sense of catharsis which has come about due to the fact or the way that he was booked early on in his time in all elite wrestling. Because really, AEW just got a little bit too cute with things as he came onto the scene. They were like, oh, you like gaming? You like streaming? We've got a guy called Kip Sabian. He likes doing that. We'll just we'll put you together. Yeah. And then those in charge thought it'd be an equally hilarious idea to get him thrown into a big wedding angle because, you know, Rusev, weddings, WWE. Yeah, knowing nod. And of course, yes, there are many worse nicknames to be given than the best man but not many. In the end, everything could just pretty much be summed up with the feeling of meh, though. And Miro, of all people, had experienced enough of that to last him a lifetime, so AEW had to pull the finger out. And thankfully, they got there, just in bloody time. That arcade anarchy brawl was just so simultaneously brilliant and brutal and entertaining and all the good things that it brought forward this menace that is Miro, and equally just sowed the seeds for the eventual breakup from Kip Sabian, paving the way to become the absolute badass that he is today, and long may he reign. If he is still reigning, recordings are weird. Number eight, The Butcher and the Blade. Jumping back to November 2019, and Cody Rhodes was just fresh off one hell of a squash after the fact that, you know, he'd just been screwed out of the AW World Championship by MJF at Revolution. After taking an absolute age to cut like a square into the canvas, has he not been watching wrestling television for the last 20 years? The Blade popped up wearing a leather gimp mask and battered Cody. The Butcher then appeared too and he just went after Cody and they both hit him with a really really clunky looking double team finisher thing. The bunny or Ali as she's also known was the last person to climb out of this very intensely cut hole and she jumped up and Jim Ross and all the fans had no idea what the hell was going on. It was all just a bit limp and a bit deflating but eventually thankfully things would start clicking into place for the unit. And yeah you could say that they're still maybe on the fringes a little bit when it comes to the absolutely stacked tag team division in All Elite Wrestling but just establishing them as any form of a threat after that kind of a limp debut Pretty impressive. Number seven, Matt Hardy. Arriving on the scene in the very first pandemic show in the land of all elite wrestling may not have been the most ideal place for Matt Hardy to pop up. Because, let's be honest, the, the main reaction you're looking for when somebody does arrive, return, debut, all the good stuff is a pop. You can't really have one of them in no crowd. The reason behind Hardy making this appearance like he did on the night was the fact that the Elite were one man down going into a blood and guts match, which didn't even actually end up happening. The Young Bucks then called in a favour to the broken slash woken slash big frizzy hair, very scary Matt Hardy, and so he debuted in Daly's place. But in doing so, he just kind of popped up and made loads of weird gestures and like sporadically jumped down the balcony and it was all just very surreal. Thankfully, just two months later, that very same venue would provide the stage, the platform for Matt Hardy to redeem himself and boy howdy did he do just that. Driven by some absolutely masterful creativity from the players involved, Stadium Stampede number one was absolutely fantastic and it made Matt Hardy feel like a genuine brilliant thing entity once again. Some of the stuff that Matt Hardy did in the stadium stampede, like the, the diving under the water and just turning into all these different versions, it was one of the best parts of the whole damn thing and it provided all of us at home panicking our asses off at the beginning of this pandemic. It provided us with some escapist entertainment and for that we are eternally grateful. 
Number 6. Ethan Page Ethan Page has well and truly settled into the role of Goober. Brilliant Goober in the Land of All Elite. Now, you could make a case for this being a bit of a reductive role for a guy who literally just debuted like a couple of months ago. But after pairing up with Scorpio Sky in recent times, he's actually been imbued with a sense of purpose for the first time since he set foot on All Elite Wrestling's programming at Revolution. Now, let's be honest, apart from maybe Scorpio Sky, not a single person came out of that face of the Revolution ladder match thing at the pay-per-view smelling like roses, did they? But have Having that be the match that you show up in as your big debut and just getting lost in the shuffle and then not really having anything to do afterwards, it just felt like he got the really, really wrong end of the stick. Ironically as well, it was Sky, his now partner, who won that match and won the Sonic Ring Hemorrhoid Pillow Face of the Revolution coin thing. All in all, they're definitely better as a duo than apart, and they've now just got purpose. They feel like they've got a direction in this crazy, ever-changing landscape, so keep them together and keep them away from hemorrhoid rings. Number 5. Alex Marvez Jim Ross has come into his fair share of criticism in recent times while sitting behind the All Elite Wrestling commentator's desk. But all in all, JR exists on this program for more than anything what he did in the past. Like, he's, he's the voice of wrestling, and just having him close to the product in any way, shape, or form just brings the casual fan in on the whole thing. They just sit there and go, oh, I know JR's voice, I know what's going on, okay, let's do it. Alex Marvez, on the other hand, is just... A nice guy. That's We'll call him that. We'll call him a nice guy. If you want to know exactly how he did when sat behind the AEW commentary desk, it could best be described as looking terrified off into the distance, thinking, what in the hell am I doing here? Simply put, at the first ever AEW Double or Nothing, he was simply the wrong man in the wrong seat. Even though his time in the commentary desk was cut very much short, mercifully short, his role now is like a colourful backstage reporter. It really seems to be working for him. He seems to be hitting his stride, and every time he stood opposite an absolute piece of crap heel, he just comes across as charming and sweet, and you don't want him to get battered, so Kenny Omega, keep your belt to yourself. Number four, the buy-in. The first ever AEW buy-in is so terrible at points, it seriously needs to be seen to be believed. So with that being said, you have to now pause this video, go onto YouTube, check it out and thank me later. But coming into this show, people were just so excited by the fact that AEW was this fresh, shiny new thing with all this goodwill attached to it, they give it a bit of a pass. But once you go back and do check it out, it's very hard to. From production flubs to stilted silences between the aforementioned Alex Marvez and Excalibur, it just didn't have an awful lot going for it. On top of this, the Casino Battle Royal still doesn't really work. It's a little bit rubbish, but AEW is so adamant on sticking to this format, they're going to keep having a go. They had a go this year as well, but the whole Suits thing, it just it doesn't click with some. And it's because of that whole suit thing that people never really feel that special coming in. You all just get lumped in together in your selected suits, and it's only the Joker that feels special. It was the same with Leo Rush this year. It was the same then with Hangman Adam Page. Obviously it worked out well for Hangman, but apart from that, it was really disappointing and they probably should have just let the whole thing die here and then. Number 3. Dark Elevation Setting the tone with matches that fizzled instead of fizzed, and Kenny Omega being involved in a WWE-adjacent angle, and Tony Khan making an absolute tit of himself wired up on coffee, playing his first ever on-screen role character thing on AEW Elevation's first night, it was not the best start, was it? But that being said, the show was not without its highlights. There were a few in-ring matches that were absolutely fantastic, and Paul White performed admirably well on his first night sat at the commentary desk. But there's no escaping the fact that the headlines that read, Is Tony Khan wired up on cocaine? 
they were a little bit damaging, weren't they? Thankfully, just a fortnight later, Elevation established itself as something far more than just excess YouTube content for a company that pretty much has so much at this moment in time, it's getting a bit hard to keep up. With AEW not currently touring at this moment in time, it made sense for them to get this new stage to blood fresh young talent and just give the people that they've already got on the books that they're currently paying a place to bump and enjoy themselves and get in front of a crowd. Number two, Christian Cage. Tony Khan has unfortunately learned to his own cost the absolute damage that can be done when you overpromote and underdeliver. Never was that more clear than at the show that broke just about every single record AEW has ever just put down on a piece of paper. Revolution 2021 was an absolutely brilliantly built card just centered around this exploding barbed wire deathmatch and some absolutely ginormous biggest returns you've ever seen in your life which was pretty much how Tony Khan built it. And not only was this going to be the biggest return you've ever seen in your entire life, this person who was going to arrive on the scene, they were going to be working a full-time schedule. Imagine that. And also the fact that Paul White dropped this news on the pre-revolution dynamite just seemed to be hinting at the fact that this was going to be something quite special. He's a really big star. He said it's going to be big. It's going to be bigger than him. He's the big show. It's got to be big. Unfortunately though, and this is said with the utmost respect to the man himself, Christian Cage? probably on about the same level as Big Show, isn't he? Make no bones about it, Christian Cage is just an awesome get for any wrestling company. Look at his CV, look what he's done, look what he can offer to younger talents, to current talents. The guy is pretty damn amazing and the fact that he's wrestling in the first place at this moment in time is amazing too. But just seeing him walk out onto the scene in front of next to nobody in the crowd, wearing his new sparkly t-shirt, it just... everyone kind of went, oh, is that, is that it? We like you, Christian, you're great, but... You're not CM Punk or Brock Lesnar. And look, we're fans, it's what we do. We probably shouldn't have speculated those kind of people, but we did, and then when we got Christian, we were just let down because we're just fools. We're fools, I tell you. Thankfully, AEW are now finally utilising Christian in the way he should be, which is obviously bringing up and elevating this next generation and just, just locking horns with the likes of Kazarian. He just, he feels like what he should feel like and not this limp kind of letdown. Christian's not a letdown, he's really good. Number one, Brody Lee. Earlier on in this list, we did credit Brody Lee for pretty much salvaging and being the key to unlocking the potential of the Dark Order. But the overall idea of the aforementioned Dark Order wasn't that good that he was just completely free of being tainted by the stink of it when he arrived on the scene. Lee's admittedly well-built arrival was a little bit snake-bitten in the end. The March 18th episode of Dynamite, where he was set to debut, was originally going to be going down in Rochester, New York, which is his hometown, but obviously, as we now all know, it was the first one to go down in Daly's place as part of the pandemic era of wrestling. And lastly, the overall look and just feel of the gimmick when he popped up in his white jacket and his hood, all that, it just didn't really pop off the screen, did it? After this, a bit of an on-the-nose Vince McMahon dig. Obviously, he was wearing his suits and he was telling people not to sneeze. It wasn't perfect, he started with that, but it seemed to be a step in the right direction. And then before we knew it, the paper-swinging absolute maniac was a threat to the entire roster, and boy, oh boy, did we need it. His double-or-nothing loss against John Moxley for the AEW World Championship was impeccably booked and built and produced. It was just fantastic. But even that didn't compare to his absolute mauling of Cody Rhodes for the TNT Championship when he was stood there over all the Nightmare family. The guy felt like a superstar. He felt like he'd finally realised all that potential. It made him, it made the stable, it made the belt, it just made everything around him that he touched feel legit. But sadly, 
any other opportunities that Brody could have following on for this to capitalize on that momentum were just cut so tragically short. We miss you, Brody. Absolutely sucks, but dark order forever. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.